The Automotive News Europe podcast is brought to you by Atal Design, your premium mobility and product design partner since 1968. Atal Design inspires, integrates, develops, and produces the most cutting-edge solutions around its customers' visions. Hello and welcome to the Automotive News Europe podcast for July 1st, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at a and So happy you could be with us today. Frank Stephenson has not slowed down since leaving supercar maker McLaren. The longtime car stylist, who has led the creative teams at Ferrari, Maserati, and Mini, started his own design company in 2018. He left the industry because he wanted a new challenge, which has included designing air taxis, high-end car seats for babies, as well as vehicles that are scheduled to race on the moon later this year. He's also sharing his vast knowledge about design on his own YouTube channel. Hello, Frank. Thank you so much for being here today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Pleasure, Doug. Always exciting to speak to uh, car guys and uh, looking forward to what we have to talk about. Frank, you've been in the automotive industry as a car designer for more than 30 years. What are the biggest changes you've seen to the craft? Oh, well, lots of changes for sure. I mean, there's been a whole advancement in the field of new tools that we can use, more diverse ideas. In other words, this digitization process has allowed us to be a lot more experimental, offer a lot more ideas much quicker, Regrettably, we're losing a little bit of that manual side of the design industry, which was, let's call it old school, where you could actually physically, with your hands, create a car. And now that's almost unheard of. You know, we still still have the clay design process in, in the development side of it. But at the same time, that's almost becoming seen as the slow way to develop a car. And uh, what the digitization is doing is... In one way, it's good because the new breed of designers coming in are seeing the advantages of using it. But what it's also doing, and they don't notice it because they haven't been exposed to the old older ways of doing cars, it's losing a little bit of that romantic process of developing a car where you're intimately involved with it on a physical level. That's the only thing I, I kind of regret about moving forward, not the innovation side and speed, but simply that loss of being so 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 attached so so directly attached to to the model or to the design that you're producing your career includes time spent at ford bmw's mini ferrari maserati fiat and mclaren to an outsider that sounds absolutely amazing in what ways though was each stop unforgettable and in what ways was each stop less than fantastic I was lucky I, I, in the sense that I had a pretty uh, firm offer when I graduated from, from Art Center College of Design and went straight to work at Ford in Europe. And that is probably the best learning uh, playground for any budding car designer because the, the range of products from Ford, they're obviously high volume products and so you're getting your designs out there. But at the same time, the range is very wide. And uh, many, many great people on the teams already there that you're ready to 
hook up with and learn from them, you know, about the realities of car design. So I started there and then it just seems that every step I've made along the way has not been sideways, but rather upwards, which is always a good thing when you're moving companies, you really don't want to just move sideways. So any opportunity that came for me to have a little bit more responsibility in design was always a good one, as long as it was uh, acceptable, I guess. And it just happened that way. I moved from Ford quickly after that to BMW. And then, you know, the offer of the century or the offer of the millennia worked for Ferrari and Maserati as a design director. That was, you know, you still wonder if it's, you know, how did that happen kind of thing. Um, and then the fear and, and insecurities of taking on, you know, something that big, but getting through it and doing, you know, a good job and, and making the most of it. And then, feeling like I've gone downhill with the next move, but actually it was a, a fantastic move is to go from the from Ferrari Maserati downwards, you might say, to Fiat, but actually it was the opportunity to do something to to lift Fiat as a company back up, the mother company. Having done that and done a, a, a successful product for them, landed me an even bigger job than, than ever before, which was to, to start the uh, design side of McLaren Automotive. From scratch and starting with a screen clean sheet of paper is the the best opportunity you can be given as a as an automotive designer with a company with that kind of engineering depth and and, and power as mclaren and then following that through for a life cycle uh of, of a range of cars for them it's worked out like a dream the bad side doug is the politics definitely involved in the whole You'd say the design process, but actually the automotive industry, it's all based on sales, profits, profit-driven, obviously. And so you have to compromise at a lot of points during, obviously during the development process, but also during your, your career. You have to do your best to get along with everybody in, on the team. It only takes a few backstabbers to, to, to ruin your career, but... I've really hated the politics of the automotive industry. It's design is so much of a fun and creative profession that you want to always be, you know, happy to come to work in a positive mindset all day long. And your work reflects that, that positive energy that you have. You can't get a good design out of a depressed designer. You know, it's not going to work. Was there a company where it was harder to stay positive and motivated? And where did you feel you could do your best work? I think the obvious answer for me, at least, is the smaller teams are the teams that are fun to work with. The bigger teams are the ones where you start having problems because it takes longer to make decisions. Too many people are out there with, with their own opinion. And, and, and as a project gets better and more successful, more people want to uh, attach themselves to that and have a say in the program. Anytime, like with the Mini, I mean, uh, Mini was the smallest company in the world. The new Mini was the smallest department in the world when it first started. There was very few people involved in the whole program. Um, that was a beautiful moment in time that was able to be captured with all that positive energy, energy that I was talking about. And you can see the result of it. You know, it came out as a happy, fits any lifestyle type of car, just as the original was but it, it, this was a modern interpretation but what i'm trying to say is that small very powerful very uh we can do it sort of mindset was was among all of us in this very small group as the mini grew 
in popularity and in size in terms of the teams working with it and everybody and everybody started jumping on the bandwagon you can see what's happened to it it's evolved into sort of a free-for-all in terms of okay we don't really have to let's remember that the design is successful and we don't want to you know throw that away and, and start with a new, completely new direction but they kind of forgot i think not to be controversial but they kind of forgot what the mini was all about and now we've got minis out there that are um you know, pick your pick your mini, whatever size you want. We've got it, especially if it's a big one. Um, and and they have to do very, you know, they have to try very hard to communicate that it's basically, or should be basically a driver's car, a fun driver's car. Um, but that's a marketing decision. And then, so what I'm trying to say is, when you get into the bigger companies like with McLaren when we first started eight, nine guys who were very good at what they did, either engineering or production or, you know, sales or, or marketing or purchasing or whatever, eight basic departments that create a new car, Those all those eight guys, nine guys, were car guys through and through. And each of us did our job to the best of our ability and everything. But as McLaren's growing, not to knock it, but it's just an eventual, you know, normal thing happening. The, the, the company gets so big that more people are having more influences in all aspects of the of the car, whereas you know, the design starts getting influenced by marketing quite a bit, all that. And so you start to get almost a, a little bit of a dilution of the original uh, spark that we have. You know, that's what happens when a car company is small. It's a lot more fun than when it's big. We'll continue our conversation with Frank Stephenson after this message. Since 1968, Atal Design has been pioneering the road of mobility, putting forward distinctive design and innovative technological solutions. Atal Design knows how to implement customers' ideas, creating iconic and functional products that effectively improve the approach to mobility. Atal Design today offers services to support customers in achieving their targets, styling and creativity with virtual reality and immersive user experience. Vehicle development from components to whole product, from concept to production. Electric and electronics development and artificial intelligence serving e-traction, vehicle network. HMI, and autonomous driving, assembly and construction of models, show cars, prototypes, and small series. Ital Design adopts a flexible approach to match products and services to customer needs, providing lean development process to established OEMs, acting as a system integrator and technology enabler with newcomers and defining product creation processes and strategies to startups. Ital Design inspires the most cutting-edge solutions around its customers' visions, paving the way towards a better life for all. To learn more about how Ital Design moves the industry, visit its website at www.italdesign.it. Frank, I'd like to switch gears for a second. Designers have been very underrepresented at the top of most automakers. But we're starting to see that change a little bit with Thomas Engeloff being named CEO at Polestar and Jerry McGovern having a board-level job at Jaguar Land Rover. What is your impression of this? Do you think that designers deserve a spot at the head of the table? That would be an emphatic yes, Doug. I think designers or the design team should be much, much more highly represented or, or responsible at that top level of car development or, or in management, obviously, or the exec level, 
simply because in this day more more so in this age more so than ever before design sells the product even as we move into this electrification or digitization age in car design all of that is great but at the same time the vehicle is losing that unique manual character that haptic feel so there's going to be a lot more emphasis in the future on what does the thing actually look like in the first place so you want to attract the customer through the through the design of that car and that's why they have to start listening to the designers who are more in tune than you know any other part of the development team as to what can sell but yes absolutely design directors should be at the highest level of of an organization more so today than ever before was that one of the reasons why you decided to open your own design firm in 2018? Yeah, uh, a little bit, I would say. I can't, I can't deny it and say, no, it has nothing to do with that. But it would be, but only in the sense that it was, like I said, always an opportunity for me to be more of a designer than I've ever been. Like I said, design is one of those professions where you can always continue to grow. And I felt not limited designing the, you know, the best hypercars on the market or the best sports car, supercars with a company of that, of that magnitude like McLaren. That wasn't the bad side of it. The bad side of it is, was that I, as a designer, was being given assignments by a marketing and program development team that said, this is going to be your next project. This is the target market. This is the engineering package you're going to work off of and you're going to deliver this, and it's going to be the best in the segment, and that kind of thing, which sounds fantastic. But at the end of the day, if you've already done it, all you're doing is repeating it. And at that point in 2017, beginning 2018, I was thinking, gosh, now we're going to reattack the whole program. There might be some new car segments coming in along the way. But in general, I'm just going to spend the next 10 years redoing another supercar, another hypercar, another sports car, and as good as the job is, you know, I, I felt that if I don't get out now, I won't have the chance ever in my life again to do projects that I personally would love to, to design. And not that I had a specific project in mind, but I thought if I put myself out there in the universe, something good is going to come my way. What are some of the most exciting projects you've been able to undertake in this new role? A lot of segments have opened up that have made me really, you know, sit back and go, wow, I never expected this to happen. And the first project that I um, uh, took on as soon as I uh, left McLaren was the new age of mobility, these flying taxis that are be coming to us in the middle of the decade, around 2024, 2025. So this is the move that, that the world is going in. It's not obviously going to make people get out of their cars and not drive anymore, but it offers an option to getting to where you want to go, say city airport to the city center, flying into the city, uh, landing on a hotel rooftop in, in a fraction of the time, at a fraction of the cost. So that that is one big movement that is starting now. Whoever's listening, believe me, it is coming. Get ready. A few more years and you'll start seeing them. So that's a huge movement that is like the transition from horses to cars coming very soon. Frank, I've got to ask, are there any cars out there done by other designers that you wish you had done? I don't know how many choices you're going to let me <laughs> announce, but if I had to pick, 
you know, a handful or maybe even less. I, I definitely at the top of the list, no secret, is the Jaguar E-Type Series 1 fixed head coupe. Sounds like a long name, but it's basically the, the first Jaguar E-Type that ever came out. <laughs> Amazingly designed, not by a designer, but by an aerodynamicist. I mean, I would not mind having put my name to the Alfa Romeo Tipo 33 Stradale. Uh, over on the other side of the pond, as they say, maybe the Shelby, Shelby Cobra. Something that really is iconic today, you know, and, and, and can't be repeated. But I am working on something that I haven't mentioned to you that maybe will show you the range of projects I'm, I'm working on now, which obviously the uh, Evitol uh, flying taxi sounds very, very out there, but it's not the most out there thing I'm working on is... Uh, currently, I'm almost ready to deliver the designs on the first two cars that are going to race on the surface of the moon later this year, going up in December on SpaceX. They're going to be dropped off on the lunar surface and have an endurance race around the track that's been digitized and planned out. And we'll be able to watch this race back on Earth as, as, as viewers. With our, If you want to have your VR goggles and feel like you're on the moon watching it, you'll be able to do that but it'll be two very extreme looking vehicles that don't have anything to do with aerodynamics, obviously, but they'll be racing each other under, under the lights on the moon, uh, facing a whole lot of conditions and situations that you know, are specific to the moon uh, and uh, designed purposely for that and look absolutely awesome, I have to say. <laughs> Will you be able to test your moon racers before they blast off into space? We can't obviously send the cars up to the moon to prototype test them there. So we're going to do it in reverse. We're looking at running them on a track, uh, let's just say Florida, that would probably mimic the track on the, well, should replicate the track on the moon, and having a couple of astronauts on the ISS, the International Space Station, race them from there back. So it's kind of a reverse process. Work out the bugs on the ones uh, on Earth as we do the testing. And then when that's all sorted out, which will obviously be before December, then, then that will go into the final development and all set to go, systems go in, uh, in December. Frank, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, of all the cars that you've designed, are there any that hold a special place in your heart? The first one, obviously, well, obviously for me is the Mini which made a real big uh, impression on the worldwide market. Uh, and then the other one would be the Maserati MC-12, simply because of that performance side of it, that it had to dominate in the FIA GT uh, World Championships. It was meant to win, so it was designed to win. So I worked uh, with Delara, the race car company in Parma, Italy, on, on all aspects of making a, a winning design out of a new car from Maserati based on the Enzo platform. And then this challenge of turning that also at the same time parallel into a road car uh, which needed to be uh, of a certain volume 50, 50 25 actually to be homologated to allow that race car to be homologated so that that complete process of working with race car engineers on a race car design and also making it a road car was fantastic it was kind of like designing a unicorn from a design aspect those two cars i think were pretty significant yeah, both of those are pretty fantastic. Well, Frank, this has been an 
absolutely fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here for the Automotive News Europe podcast. My pleasure. We reached Frank Stephenson at his office outside of London. If you have an idea for a future podcast or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at dbolduck at autonews.com. For breaking news, please visit europe.autonews.com. You can listen to this podcast and a range of others from the Automotive News Group on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or on our website at europe.autonews.com. That wraps up this episode of the Automotive News Europe podcast for July 1st, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at a &E. Thanks so much for being here. We hope you'll tune in again next time.